Yo, what's up, guys, and welcome to the Movie Newbie Podcast. I'm your host, Jabril Sahemi, the newbie, and I'm joined by... Rafael Luca, actor, clown, thespian, and a pure cinephile. Oliver Mangum, writer, producer, and fellow film lover. So yeah, enjoy the show. Hey, yo, what's up, guys? We are back again with another episode of The Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabril Sahemi, and joined, as usual, by... Oliver Mangum and Raphael Luca. How about you guys say hello? That's a bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Gorlami. <laughs> and making his second appearance on the show. Drum roll, please. It's one of my really good friends and our resident Italian on the show, I think. Yay! Our Italian of the show. He comes and he gives us his knowledge, drops his drops his wisdom, but I'm gonna let him speak on this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Buongiorno. Yeah. Hello, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me back again. Uh, it's a Woo. pleasure always to, to come back and happy to do, it, to do this once again. Mm. And, of course, anytime you need me, I'll be back Ooh. and drop some knowledge on you. Yeah, And some please. Italian words whenever I don't have an, an English word that I can find. I just drop Italian <laughs> words. It will work very well for these episodes, too. So <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here, man. And yeah, so for this episode, we brought in a very special guest to talk about the amazing, I think a masterpiece in and of itself, by Quentin Tarantino, and it is Inglorious Bastards. And um, yeah, this was just such a an amazing watch. I remember I first watched this in 2008 or nine when it came out. Um, it was one of those things where my uncle had like a DVD with a bunch of different movies on it. He was like, here, take this DVD and watch it. And it was amazing. And it was the first time I was introduced to Christoph Waltz and properly introduced, well, not properly introduced, but like seeing Brad Pitt do something that's not like crazy. So yeah, that was the first time I've actually seen him in like a pretty interesting role where it's like a random character from out of nowhere. And I love that character. But yeah, those are like, I guess, my initial thoughts. Um, I don't know about you guys. Maybe, uh, yeah, Raph, you want to start? Well, I was gonna, I was gonna pass the gauntlet to Fede actually, um, and see, give me, give right, me his right, thoughts. Because yeah. you know we're working with one microphone, so I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to like move the mic when somebody else is talking. You know, <laughs> but ready. yeah, whatever. Here, Fede, you go. <laughs> so, what's the question about? Well, we're just giving first impressions. Uh, we're just giving our initial thoughts, first impressions on the movie in general. Yeah. Well, I really like. Um, First of all, this is one of my favorite movies by, by Tarantino, that's for sure. And one of the reasons is because it completely changes the way um, changes the way he actually shoots and film the narrative of it. Well, of course, all these stories are always intertwined, as he always does. So there are different stories that, some, that at some point um, uh, get together and tie together. But, for example, um, splatter, splatter is such a typical... Um, Tarantino attribute and in this one yeah you can say there's some splatter scenes but it's nothing compared to you know mm -hmm. um, Kill Bill for example so the fact that also this kind of uh, characteristic of the movie makes a bit different and unique in terms of Tarantino style and that is why it's one of my favorite ones and then of course the performance the acting performance I think is just stellar from um, almost all the cast and I'm sure we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the great Christopher Waltz mm. um, making a, a great, great, great performance in the movie, and all the accents and all the 
uh, analogies that you can find in symbolism all the time, such mm. as milk and cream and fire. Mm. Um, but I'm sure we're going to get to that in more detail in a bit. Mm. 100%, 100%. Yeah, I mean, much like much like you guys, um, I I think this is definitely a masterpiece. I think this is his magnum opus. Um, I think he briefly, there's a subtle hint towards the end of the film where he says, well, I think it's Brad Pizda says, well, I think this might just be my masterpiece. Now, I like to think that that's a subtle hint from Quentin Tarantino saying that it is his masterpiece. Um, it's 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 where you see a, a master of his craft flexing his beautiful writing muscles um and you can you know it, it's as enjoyable to read as it is to watch um and there's a power in language that he uses and it's not just the english language it's the french it's the german it's the italian even um i think only 30 percent of the entire film is english um and there's just a beauty in that that it weaves in and out of these of these of these exquisite languages i mean it's it's the kind of latin-based languages apart from german um and and you're getting you're getting everyone's on top of their game everyone and then Christopher yeah, Christoph, Christoph Waltz who steals the show like every time he enters a scene he sucks the air out of everyone and and you can just see someone that is absolutely just elevated in and and he knows and he controls everything he's doing um, it's yeah expertly written um, full of tension and suspense but also comedy and humor. Um, and it's and it's it's palpable. It's energetic. It's pulpy. It's it's Tarantino doing what he does best, and it's it's just a damn fine film. Yeah, I guess I'll step in. Um, I uh, this has always been one of my favorite um, Tarantino films, and uh, perhaps this is something we'll discuss later. But uh, I've always loved it. I've ever since I first saw it. I hadn't seen it. I think in a few years. And I think this latest rewatch was kind of interesting for me because I definitely loved it. But I may be perhaps one of the few naysayers on this episode because there were some faults perhaps that stood out to me more in this rewatch. But all that being said, I still think when this film sings, it is fucking singing. The reason mm -hmm. this is such a stellar film and why it stands out in Tarantino's filmography is because... The highs are just probably the greatest highs in his career. I mean, in t definitely in terms of writing as well as perhaps directing. When he's put, when this movie is at its top level, I don't think Tarantino's ever done anything nearly. Sorry, has done anything quite of that level in his previous films. I think structurally the film is really really interesting because it almost feels less like a like a a, a complete film in the normal sense, and almost, it's almost hinges entirely upon three or four extended sequences that just draw out the most incredible amount of tension. And mm. these scenes are just masterful. I do think sometimes he lets scenes play out a little bit longer than he should. I do sometimes find that the, uh, the way he tries to bring these three or four corners of the world into one spot does stretch credulity. But I also really admire that he did try to make a major Hollywood film in in what you said, Raf, in where in, um, you know, only about 30% of the dialogue was in English. I, I do quite, I, I think that's really admirable and really fucking mm. cool. Um, you know, it's funny, we were just discussing this uh, actually before, but my mum gave me some feedback that we swear too much in this <laughs> podcast. And for absolutely no reason, I've just dropped three F-words <laughs> in my introduction, which I'm going to blame on Tarantino's influence more than anything. I was raised on that guy. What can I do? But anyway, um, yeah. But, That's um, why parents don't no, like him very much. Uh, yeah, exactly. 
but no, I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on the ne- on the negatives right now. I think this is a rollicking good time, and yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. So let's get into it. Yeah. So I think I guess a good way to start with this conversation is, it, is to start with the first scene uh, it's at the very beginning. Yeah, at, at the, the very, very beginning. beginning. Um, yeah, let's at, go. <laughs> once upon a time in Nazi-occupied France, which was yeah. going to be the title of this entire film. Um, oh. But he decided to drop it, and it became Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which which he used later on to kind of commemorate um, the works of Sergio Leone, which we kind of dived uh, delved into a little bit with our Western uh, theme. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, oh my God, yeah, right at the start, man. I mean, uh, the amount of times the scene, the scene itself has been used for analysis, for film analysis, for script analysis. There's a reason why uh, critics, fans um anyone anyone that that is a cinephile goes into the scene yeah there's even that college humor skit if anybody's seen it of the grammar nazi <laughs> right, right on is, there we go which is yes. a really great like tip of the hat to the scene but yeah, wow if anybody hasn't seen that watch yeah. it it's it's really funny college humor that brought me back to my 19 year old self um <laughs> yeah no no seriously like it there, there's a reason because it, it is it is just so expertly crafted um it, again it's 17 pages long um it, it lasts about 19 minutes um and it's the start it, it's the it's the presentation of what this film offers which is these like you said ollie these like almost vignettes these chapters which they are essentially chapters of like short films that are like divides into like four or five four or five parts of just brilliantly crafted cinematography writing and acting all put together to just complete yeah to to to, to completely awe you um i at least for me i was completely awed when i first watched the scene i was like what is what is ah. i had to rewatch it multiple times cuz i just i mm. my brain couldn't even fathom the the level of of awesomeness and scariness and 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 how terrified I was yet completely like I wasn't leaning back I was fucking leaning in my first f word mm, yeah I think um I I I definitely agree with you on the rewatch part because I remember going in to see this film for the first time everyone had already told me the first scene is just incredible like it's the highlight of the film and I remember oh, yeah, watching it and and thinking it was pretty incredible but um. It's it just adds it, there's more and more that reveals itself to you the more yeah. and more you watch it like you don't know the first time you're watching it the the reason the reason why he switches to English halfway through mm. I remember thinking oh that's a bit odd but it's maybe like they're pandering. just doing that for they're just doing that for the audience exactly but it's not until the second or third rewatch you realize okay this is all part of his way of misdirecting the people below him because he knows exactly where he are same with sending the girls out same with um you know taking out the, the pipe to smoke afterwards it's just the glass and the of way milk. that Christoph Waltz is exactly. reading him the entire time, yeah, it's it's just it's 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 insane. It's as good as everyone says. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I also, yeah, I agree, and I also think that it's completely the aesthetic of it is completely mm. different mm. and goes in a, in a big contrast with the rest of the film, right? Which is mainly shot indoor. If you think about it, it's all uh, almost all scenes are indoor. Like there are a lot of dialogues in in the tavern or in, then in the cinema. But then when you see the first scene, you see it opens with this amazing and calm sense of like this huge field, right, of, uh, of grain. And, and it's very um, impressionist, impressionist, no? It looks mm-hmm. like an impressionism yes. painting. It look like, looks like a Moet painting, so it's a bit green and gold. And then I love how uh, he uses this thing that in cinema. It's called framing a lot in the first scene. And especially 
towards the end of the scene, it uses the dark of the inside of the room and it shoots and it, it, it shoots at the door of the room, which has lights after that. So it, as, uh, as if it was framing a painting right after the room, right? And it uses the contrast of the inside, the dark of the inside to uh, highlight the, 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 the calm and the amazing um, sublime, you know, fields of, uh, of nature that are um, after the, the door. So there's a lot of contrast in that sense, I think, in, um, in the first scene. And um, uh, Raf mentioned the, the glass of milk. And I think that is a super cool element in, in the scene because it actually introduces the character, which is the meanest character, one of the meanest characters you will ever meet in cinema, right? And he, he doesn't ask for whiskey, he doesn't ask for anything that you, you would expect an evil guy to ask for, right? Yes, for milk, which is usually for milk, which is usually uh, for, for kids or children, you know, mm. for someone that is sweet and kind and tender. And I love that contrast, right? Also when uh, later on it's the, the cream, no? But then again, he contrasts that by putting the cigarette inside the cream, right? So actually revealing the, uh, the, the inside nature of, of the character being mean. Like, I don't give a fuck about the cream, I just <laughs> ruin it, right? <laughs> Even though it was the best cream ever, apparently. Mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, so going back to the milk, um, so yeah, I love the analogy of the, the actually the um, uh, contrast between the getting the milk for the evil, the most evil guy in the mm. in the film, right? Um, so yeah, the mm -hmm. probably yeah, one, probably my favorite favorite scene of the film. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. Yeah, I remember just being struck by this opening scene. Like like you said, the first time I ever watched it, it was just like. I feel like even throughout this entire movie, it was like a masterpiece in like tension building specifically. Like it really brings you into the entire like, um, like just the feeling, even with uh, the farmer. What, I can't remember what his name was. Um, Monsieur Le Petit. Yeah, Le Petit. Yeah. And like you see how he was super calm in the beginning. And after a while, like you, the tension builds with him and you can see his emotional state like changing throughout. Um but I do agree with you, Ali. There were certain moments throughout the film where I was like, oh, this is a bit long. Like, it, mm. like he, it, it's a bit drawn out, uh, certain things. Um, like, uh, w one of the, the moments was when they, um, they introduced the, 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 Jew, the Jew bear, the bear Jew. Mm -hmm. The bear Jew, the, yeah. The, the bear, bear Jew. Jew. And he's, like, knocking the, the baseball bat mm. on the wall, I think. And it and I think that like went on for a little bit too long. Uh, it was like, come on, like I we see, get it. I, it's scary. Even though, the guy. Yeah. Show even me the though guy. We, we're agreeing on the same point, I think that's an. Ex I mean, I love that scene actually so right. much, and I think that's an I, example I that of him scene. of him, you know, pitching it to perfection there. But uh, really, I do, yeah. Hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. There, I mean, we we like we've all seen, um, if not all, most of of Tarantino's films, and he is known to be quite bold and quite brave with his um indulgence right sometimes mm -hmm. he can be overindulgent yeah um i think for uh, maybe once upon a time there were there were definitely scenes where it, it does play out just a, for a mm -hmm. little too long you're thinking okay maybe it could have been reduced i think this is the perfect example of a film that he it's time everything I, for me at least everything was time to perfection 
everything was and he said it he said it himself for this film it was like a, an elastic band and he wanted to stretch it for as far mm. as he possibly could yeah. until it snapped and he wanted to mm. get a uh, an elastic band strong enough to so instead of upholding it for eight minutes he holds it for another 10 and seeing what the what, what that can do the effect yeah. that can do to an audience um it's you know to make you recoil back in your seat or to make mm. you you know kind of lean forward uh and just be completely aghast um, and I think there is no better introduction than not only that scene, but Colonel Hans and that character itself and how hard it was for Tarantino. Tarantino said, stated that if he did not find the right actor for this, uh, for this character, he would not make the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Christopher Waltz whips in and just, you know, gives it the perfection that Tarantino needs for this film to carry on. Yeah, and it, there's a reason why every time you see Christopher Waltz fucking waltzing around the scene no pun intended um but there is a reason why you're you're so captivated by him there's a reason why um that you i mean at least for me i was glued i mean the the whole cast is superb but every time he walks in it just it just changes the whole atmosphere Mm -hmm. the whole thing changes all right well there was one thing that i was thinking of like during this first scene do you think that shoshana understood english oh wow shoshana um <laughs> i don't do you think, think she so. understood i don't because why would she if the rest of her family didn't you know i mean she would have been i don't know maybe 16, she was like she 18 been, she was meant to be 17 years old um, right so she would have been the only one like in school so it's a possibility that she learned english well she had maybe. a younger brother who was in school I mean, I think they yeah, mentioned like, that there's a nine-year-old. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe. But I don't know. Your reasoning is why? How come it, she's the only one that scurries away? Uh, mm-hmm. Because maybe she kind of understood that you know yeah. she was going down. Yeah, plausible. I just here. thought that. I just thought she luckily missed the bullet somehow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Because there was also a moment where I turned to Fede, where uh, right before he switches back to French, right? Mm-hmm. He goes. He's like. Um, okay, just continue with my mascarade. And then he like winks, mm. which is like the only mm-hmm. French word he says for some reason. Yeah. And then yeah. they switch to French and then they go back into that. But like, doesn't mascarade mean like a fake, like kind of like act? Mm-hmm. So yeah. wouldn't they understand that as well? So like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's, if there was kind of yeah. like a play on. So I don't know. Something that I noticed this watch. Yeah. yeah. I, turned to Fede, I was like, hmm, interesting. Again, one of the most amazing, like, the great thing about this scene is you can decipher it, you can analyze it so many times. There's so many layers to it, right? Like, the fact that I think um, there's an example of Hitchcock, um, I think Tarantino using Hitchcock as an example for saying, um, in a scene, there's a family, um, and in the next room, there's a bomb. And in no, this it's, a scene, bomb, it's a bomb under the table. Uh, yeah, it's a bomb under the table. That's, Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. No, please, I'm, 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 I'm going to be like paraphrasing no, I mean, the he, he hell out of this. He could have, I mean, yeah. For all I know, he could have used that example. But I think the famous one is from Truffaut and uh, tr- the conversation between Truffaut and Hitchcock. That's right. That was turned into um, a book, and he described tension or, or suspense filmmaking as two characters having a conversation at a table. There's a bomb under the table. And only the audience knows that the bomb is there, but they just don't know when it's going to go off, basically. Yeah. yeah. Or or you reveal the bomb, and suddenly, as the audience as the audience members, you know that there's a bomb underneath, and, yes, and you exactly. know when it's exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. that was kind of like that reference. It's like you know, we didn't need to know that there was perhaps a you know a Jewish family hiding underneath. It's just the fact that we know that elevated tension. Um, yeah. but shall we like proceed? Cause we could talk about this first scene, you know, endlessly. There's just so much to talk about. Um, but like, 
whipping forward, I kind of want to know um, perhaps either your your thoughts, Fede, or your thoughts, Ollie, on, on, on the kind of overindulgence or the fact that like you saw this again and this time it was more of a, you had more critical analysis to it. Um, well, I think, you know, I don't know if, if Fede felt the same way as I did then, but um, I guess, uh, I think, I don't know, I think for example, okay, an example, uh, Jabril gave an example in his mind of what he thought was perhaps things being overdone a bit with the bear juice sequence. I think for me, it would more more be buttons on scenes that didn't need to be there. Like one of my favorite scenes, I think one of the standouts, as I'm sure everybody would agree, is this the that long scene in the tavern when... Mm. Uh, you have the uh, where you have yeah, basically the leads to the shootout. I think that's an incredible piece of filmmaking. I think it's so clever because it's layered with so much irony and double meaning. But then you have the scene afterwards when it the the Mexican standoff scene. We have Aldo Rain sort of negotiating with Max, or I don't know what the name of the character that German sh- make soldier. Make a deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ma- Maximilian was his kid. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, Wilhelm. That's it, Wilhelm, well-remembered. And, for example, on its own, that'd probably be a, a, a great scene, but I just didn't think it needed to be there, especially after we'd spent so long in that tavern and it ended on such a wonderful explosion of fetishistic violence, you know? Mm. Um, and then, like, another example of something that went a little... where I thought perhaps Tarantino couldn't help himself was... And this might just be because I am technically British, but I thought the scenes... <laughs> With the British Army, the Royal Air Force, or whatever the faction of the of the, the army SS, they were, yeah, the SS, yeah, yeah, the uh, where you had um, uh, Michael Fassbender and uh, and you had Churchill, and then you had Michael Myers or Mike Myers from Bloody Wayne's World <laughs> playing the British general, and I just thought like he, I couldn't stop laughing looking at him because I just thought he, I just didn't think. He seemed serious in that role. And I thought it was, power, yeah. it was so over the top. Like the way I know that they were trying, he was trying to do a bit about almost like Noel Coward stiff stuff, stiff, what's that? Stiff upper lip, yeah. you know, hoity toity British people. RP just felt like, received pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. felt dialed up, dialed up just one or two levels too high for me. So that was another example where it seemed kind of camp almost, but that's just a minor gripe, really. Yeah, again, I think it was maybe, I mean, maybe Fede, you have a point to this, but like try to balance, right, each each scene, you know, mm-hmm. co- coloring it um, in a different way, because you have utter, utter suspense and tension. So how do you alleviate from that with the next scene? So it's kind of to like maybe give the audience a breath, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, actually. Um, first of all, the suspense that he manages to, to create, I think it's just brilliant mm. all the time. Um, in terms of like dialogues being too long, I do feel they were very long, but always catchy. Like I would never be, oh my god, they should stop now. This is too long of a dialogue, even though objectively they were very long dialogues, and there were so many of them. Mm. Um, and for example, the tavern, the tavern bit, they just uh, fifteen minutes of scene where they just talk, you know, and a lot of things happen, but it's just a con- um, um, continuous dialogue, and I never felt like. I'm not following anymore. I've always, I've always been, I always was like very caught in the scene all the time. And th- this is this is very difficult to do in my opinion, right? So being able to always keep the audience hooked, even though you make super long dialogue scenes, right? Um, but yeah, n- I never felt overindulged, as Raf said before. I, even though I think 
was the fourth time I watched uh, watching Glorious Bastards, and and we just you just find even more and better particulars that you didn't notice in the, mm. in, the in the in the in the in the time before the time before you watched it, and yeah, I think uh, I, as I said at the beginning, actually, one of the things I like the most is that he avoids using a lot of things that he usually Tarantino, I'm speaking about Tarantino, that he usually uses in in other films. Like for example the crash zoom. Oh, it's such a um a signature of his, right? Mm. His crash zoom is when uh, there's a lot of, of crash zoom in um, Django or sure. Kill Bill. Yeah. It's the zoom where he goes like and that's and that's like yeah, a, a a nod a nod to spaghetti Italian westerns, yes. isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I couldn't. I I don't think there is any in in this one in this film. Um, and and this is at such a signature film. So the, also the fact that it's this kind of things so or like the splatter, so like a lot of blood. It, it is a violent film, of course. Mm. It's super violent, but it's not splatter. You know, you, you don't see like blood going yeah. everywhere like in other movies so uh, the approach he makes to his own techniques you know his own signatures is a bit different and i love that and that's why i think he makes it a bit unique in the you know in the categ category of tarantino's films i think there was one shot yeah, stiglitz <laughs> when they introduced the stiglitz yes yeah, so i was gonna uh, say yeah when i think like he's like killing a bunch of people and they go zoom into his face yeah, um, and they and it's like something Stiglitz. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and that's right, right. and that and that is one of the parts of the film where he does lean into one of his favorite um, influences, which is like black exploitation. Oh, and then this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, what were you saying, Ollie? I was just saying like um, that's when I think he's indulging one of his favorite cinematic influences, which is black exploitation, because the oh, music. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at one point, we do have to talk about the music in this film because yeah. it's just a killer soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, but he yeah. has like black exploitation music playing against that montage of Stiglitz brutally murdering all of those uh, big titles, Nazi officials. big title yeah. of a character. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's again, it's it's a genre bending kind of. Um, he's a genre bending director where he 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 applies, and he's someone who is deeply in love with cinema, and he infuses that love in his own cinema. Uh, he's made. Uh, a thing for himself to create his own cin cinematic, you know, uh, signature and cinematic flair and style that you know exactly what you're watching. You're watching a Tarantino film. It's like, you know, when you're watching a Wes Anderson film, you're watching a Wes Anderson film. He's created his own kind of genre. Um, but by creating his genre, he's, like I said, infused his love for cinema with black flotation, with spaghetti westerns. I think he quoted his favorite director to be Sergio Leone and also finding um, Japanese cinema as well. At one point, um, this, when, when he couldn't find Christoph Waltz, uh, for, for, for Lanz, for Hans, he was going to, um, do, uh, I believe either a Japanese samurai film or a Kung Fu movie. So he has so much, he has that so much love. So good. I know, right. A con <laughs> like a Kung Fu movie, a, con a Tarantino Kung Fu film. Wow. Um, yeah. but his love and his admiration for cinema from all over the world is so visible in his movies um and then it, it rolls into with this like a movie within a movie like even once upon a time is a movie within a movie um so you're getting all these tropes and as a cinephile you know me you and ollie and you guys now like it's you're 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 in the hands you're, you're watching the movie of someone that's that's just utterly why <laughs> 
Alright guys, we've had to pause twice because, uh, yeah, I live with roommates and they like to take showers and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all good, it's all good, but I live right, I, I, my room is right next to the, to, to the kind of the water source, so it just makes a lot of noise. So we're back, and as I was saying, with basically you're at the hands of someone that knows and loves uh, cinema, and 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 you're indulging in that, and you're and you're watching that, um, and it's 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 just terrific being in the hands of someone that's a, a master of his craft, as well as as someone who is a cinephile, and as a cinephile to another, it's it's just yeah, it's utterly enjoyable to 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 have that to, to watch that. Yeah. So um, during our little intermission. Um, I was just thinking of a little question that I had, and uh, this is the question: um, <laughs> What? Or, or, Smooth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the question. Hey, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't swear. That's like that's like what I do on dates. Just like I, I had a question to ask you, and here is the question. <laughs> <laughs> Can I kiss you? Oh. <laughs> uh, no. So the the question is. Um, who do you think the main character is, or do you even think there are any main characters? And um, yeah, so I was just thinking like there aren't really any throughout the movie. Like maybe there's some sort of maybe you could like divide it into the the five different chapters or six different chapters and say there's a main character for each. But throughout the movie, I don't think there really is one. I don't know what your opinions are. I think maybe the the, for me, the driving force is uh, Christoph Waltz and Shoshana and Emily. Um, I forgot her last name. Um, uh, Melanie, sorry, Melanie Laurent. I think they are the. He is the. She's the protagonist, and he is the antagonist. Um, if we were to see it, maybe that way. Um, but also, like if you think about it, if you say that Christoph Waltz or Hans Landa is the antagonist, is also the antagonist of Brad Pitt, right? Yeah. So, in a way, so in my opinion, um, as in every film on every story, everybody has their own fight, their own goals and stuff. But in this case, I think there are three main stories that actually tie together, right? And it's the one of the Inglorious Bastards, so the one uh, of the leader of the Inglorious Bastards, so Brad Pitt, and then there is the one of the antagonist, so Hans Landa, and then the one of the said the victim is actually fighting for freedom. One mm. is helping to fight for freedom, one is actually fighting for freedom, and the other one is trying to oppress freedom, mm. right? So I think that there, there are, to answer Jebro's questions, in my opinion, there are, uh, there isn't one, there are three main characters that actually stand out for each story that's unique to each character. Mm. So it's Shoshana, Hans Vanda, and, and um, uh, Red Pitt, yeah. Yeah, but, but for me, with, with any I think with any Tarantino, it's always, for me, every Tarantino is an ensemble piece um, because of the selection of actors that he gets, because of kind of the, the like you say the stories that he weaves in like like a perfect thread. Um, because there's never there's never quite one story; it's always kind of um, you know m multiple um, stories set into one kind of overarching narrative. But yeah, I would say like it's it's an ensemble piece for me for sure. Yeah, I think I, I would just say that um, I'd probably, if I had to put a protagonist on it, which I don't think you do, like Ruff said, it would probably just be uh, Melanie Laurent's character, Shoshana, mm, not because yeah. she has the most screen time necessarily, or but even because, even not even because her 
character is at the center of the story more just because she has the most emotional arc, I suppose. Mm -hmm. She's the one that you really do, in a sense, root for above everyone else. I mean, it, the film kind of starts with this injustice against her and it ends with her final act of revenge. Yeah. So for that reason, I would probably call her the protagonist, yeah. Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah, now that Ollie has spoken, I, <laughs> I, I tend, I, yes. I lean towards uh, yes. his opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, I actually agree. I actually agree. Yeah, Shoshana yeah. is probably... But I, I, I did yeah. kind of offer that at the beginning. just want to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he kind of jumped on my wagon, just made it look better. No, um, I, I, as we established in our last episode with Ali, my sneaky habit is I just steal other people's answers, yeah. uh, zhuzh it up a little bit, say yeah, it yeah. last, and everyone comes away thinking it's my idea. So. He does He does give it a je ne sais quoi to it, right? That just makes <laughs> it just look better sound better. by the way guys by the way guys i might have said that this film is unique if you look at the old collection from by tarantino but because of the lack of over elements of elements that he overuses all the time that makes that make his signature but it doesn't mean there aren't for example feet we know we haven't spoken oh, about yeah, feet and it's very important in in the film as well because it he does the analogy with Cinderella, whatever. He does, he does. Yeah. Yes. Um, the shoe fits, so yeah. he actually finds out that, she, I mean, she he um, tells her that he knows about everything, and then and then Hans Lander kills the, the actress, I don't remember her name now. Diane Kruger. Bridget von Hammersmark. Yeah, that's yes. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's also like a, a very um, feel rouge that he uses a lot, right? He, um, Feet is always an element for in, Tarantino's, in Tarantino's movies to actually connect acts, right? To connect actions before something really happens. He tends to, I remember in Greenhouse, you know, when the girl, um, one of the girls just um, putting his her feet on, on, on the car window and the scene right after is where like everything kind of happens, you know? Um, so it's always a point of connection. I th I I, I you, believe are, in a film. Are you saying Tarantino's a foot fetish? No. Um, no, no. I say that. <laughs> I didn't. You I didn't know that. First on the movie, newbie. <laughs> did you not know that? I did not know that. No, I did not know his uh, his, his oh, affiliation yeah, with, he has with a, feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why. It's it's widely yeah it's widely reported on. I think there was even. I mean, usually we don't delve into tabloids on this uh, podcast, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure there was an incident where he went home with a young woman, like from the club, like ten or ten or so years ago, oh, and then she told, um, went to the presses afterwards and said, "Yeah, he wanted me to like, he wanted to like lick my feet, basically." Oh, right on, <laughs> right on. Damn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got okay, so the, it it is a foot fetish. It could, yeah, could very well be a foot fetish. Great. Great. I think he admitted it or he said it even sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and that's why he's in love with uh is with uh, Uma Thurman, right? And yeah. that's why he fell yeah, in love with Uma Thurman yeah, yeah, yeah. because there's a lot of uh, barefoot scenes yeah. and he's like, Oh my yeah. god, this is hard as well. Shoot this for you know, I mean months. it is what it is. It is what it is. So Well, okay, maybe let's not yeah. talk about feet too much now. <laughs> uh, let's go over let's go. I on. guess we should just move to the questions. Then. Yeah, let's go. Let's All right. Go. So, yeah. do you guys have anything else that you want to add, yeah. or we, we haven't spoken much about the the funny scene? And I, I believe we should um, oh, yeah. at, at the theater when the guy speaks Italian. And, and well, the, well, I think we're just gonna get to that question because it's uh, definitely my favorite scene. I think because we're we all can't just pick the first well, one. Well, okay. And before we get onto questions, then I know that we're gonna touch on that scene, but sort of a, another scene that plays briefly after that, I think, is the climax 
with the burning yes. down of the theater. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I had a question for you guys quickly. Like, how did you... Oh, shit, sorry. Are we going to talk about that later? Uh... Yeah, I think so. I wanted to. Oh, uh, yeah, go okay, ahead. I'll, go say, ahead. I'll say... No, no, I, I... Yeah. Okay. So I did have one question about that scene. And that was, how did it make you guys feel? That operatic scene of violence. Because I'll just say quickly. It, um... It, it's like a drug, honestly. I think that, that, that scene... I know it's it's weird to say it, but those scenes which is so over top, where you're seeing all those people in the audience screaming and running for their lives while the cinema burns down, and then you have the bastards just, just spraying them with machine gun yeah. fire, like women as yeah. well as men and stuff, and then shooting the head of Hitler until it explodes about thirteen times. I mean, it's it's kind of horrifying and grotesque, but at the same time, did any of you find it cathartic? Because I think that's what Tarantino wants to do, and I and I, I think it steps into into uncomfortable waters because I think he wants people to get a release, a kick um, out of seeing this sort of revenge against the worst people in history. But then it kind of turns the bastards into the Nazis in a way, some people have said, because that's how the, the Nazis would kill Jews. They would lock them in buildings and then burn them alive. And I'm sure if you ask Tarantino, he would say, that's the point. But mm. I don't know. How did it make you guys feel? Watching yeah, it's that like scene? it's like violence beget violence, or 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 you know, it's it's that it's that thing of like, if you choose if if you choose to be violent upon another violent person, that aren't you just that violent person yourself? Um, but I, I think that's part of the beauty of the revisionist Tarantino, how he's yeah. doing this revisionist genre of of tackling historical um, periods. And re envisioning them, right? So you're getting that with Django, you're getting that with Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood, um, the Mason murders, how he offers a twist on these on these fables, on these true mm -hmm. stories, and how he puts yeah, he puts a kind of almost a nuke button on them and says, like, no, what if this happened instead? Tarantino style. So yes, there was an amount of pleasure to be had. Uh, but it's also your uh, for me I felt like uh almost an anger or an aggression towards, yeah, that, that specific human in that specific period of time, which we are, you know, a lot of, plenty of people would be, would be very angry um, and would choose that, that outcome very much. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that's a very popular question for like, you know, time traveling, you would go back and you, would you shoot Hitler in the face? You know, like it's, yeah. it's a or very would you popular kill baby Hitler. Yeah. Would you kill baby Hitler? Yeah. It's, it's, it's that time traveling question all over again, which is, you know, a very popular one. Um, but I think we're, you know, we, we expect that from Tarantino. We, there's a level of expectation of violence that we come to, which is probably why maybe most people watch his films as well. They, they give that kind of catharsis on violence itself mm -hmm. because they are so, they're so, yeah, bloody and explosive. Um, yeah. you know, blood just doesn't like f gently flow down. It literally fucking explodes. Yeah. Splatters. <laughs> Splatters everywhere. Yeah. Um, I really like what Oli said before about uh, the way uh, the um, Nazi were killed in the film. They were actually killed in the same way they would kill Jews, right? Mm. So uh, that a Jew actually uses fire to burn, you know, the Nazis down. I, I, it's kind of an irony, right? It all goes back with the thing it, I also said at the beginning with milk and give it given to the evil guy. You know, it's it's all like um, that like almost a paradox all the time. It's all, it's an irony. It's basically just an irony, you know. It did the, the Jews kill the Nazi the same way the Nazi would have killed the Jews, um, and I love that. So yeah, good catch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the result was also still the same for everyone in that building. 
unless you didn't escape, but everyone died, no matter yeah. who you were, even Nazi or Jewish person. Even the bastards. Yeah, even the bastards. Uh, I'm not sure about uh, Shoshana's, uh, like, the, the camera operator guy. Is it Marcel? I, I, Did he I, hope, he, I hope he got out. Yeah, I, I hope, hope he got hope out, he got too. Out. It was such a chill guy. Yeah, I know, he seems so chill. And I wish there was just a scene of him lo locking the doors, but then seeing, like, an extra back entrance and being like, all right, see ya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we free. talk about how long that cigarette lasted? <laughs> 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 because he lights up the cigarette, like, almost at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> like, not, the, like, the movie that was shown in the, in, shown in uh, at the theater. And... And then so much shit happens. <laughs> and then this guy burning everything down with the same exact cigarette. And I'm like, oh my god, how long is cigarettes last? I want, time I want is relative. <laughs> yeah, time is relative. Um, but yeah, aesthetically speaking, I loved when um, he actually um, catch everything, um, put everything on fire. Marcel, hmm. um, the camera operator. I love the shot. It's almost almost in black and white, and mm. from behind, and the, the, the smoke silhouette. I just I just love yeah. it. But I think yeah, let's let's move to questions. I think let's let's talk it. about what we love the most and which scene we love the most. So I'm gonna go first with my favorite scene because it's a very funny scene, and this is the scene where uh, is it Lieutenant or Colonel Hans Landa? Colonel. Colonel Colonel Hans Landa when he uh sees um Bridget von Hammersmark and her three Italian escorts um <laughs> and he starts talking to, the, to her in German he like asks her and like this like uh exchange I guess it's not really one full scene um but like it goes through the entire like uh process of what he does like he'll like bring you in charm you then scare the shit out of you mm. and then confuse the hell out of you and switch switch into a different language and then make you think that he knows something but then like eases you off and then like just like i don't know it's just his character in full motion i think and oh uh, dude it was just so funny when um uh, all of them start speaking italian it's like bonjourna <laughs> bonjourna uh, what was his name Gor gorlami Gorlami. <laughs> I, I also think it's it's funny how the guy who claims to know the least Italian actually gives off the most convincing Italian yes. accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't speak Italian. <laughs> He's like, Dominic De Coco. Dominic De Coco. Yeah, so I love that scene. That's, that's such a such a funny one. But apparently uh, Fede was saying that um, his Italian was like kind of not like yeah, you were saying something I can't remember. Yeah, because um, you know how Hans starts speaking Italian, and they're all mm. surprised because the guy actually speaks Italian. But from an Italian, it was a very weird Italian. It wasn't really <laughs> like they were Italian words, and like if you see the subtitles, it kind of it kind of catch it. But it was on. It was. It was. He was on really his fourth. He was on his fourth language at this point. You know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. But but I loved it. Yeah. I think that that might that might touch upon something that people who actually do speak these other languages in the film would catch, but I wouldn't, which is that um, Tarantino doesn't uh, speak any of these other languages. He never, I don't think he ever even learned them during production. Mm -hmm. And what you're seeing in the subtitles is apparently what he wrote in the, on the script in English. And then he would have other people translate them, but because he didn't speak, he, he wasn't able to judge how, to how good that translation was. Yes, and, he, and apparently what he asked, um, he, and I, I would be curious to see 
listen to um, what rec- talk to someone who speaks German after they've seen this film mm-hmm. because uh-huh. uh, I remember Diane Kruger said apparently that she, he would insist that they um, the their pronunciation of the German or their rhythm of speaking the German their cadence would match the English subtitles because that's how he was hearing it in his head rhythmically even if it didn't make sense when you're doing it German so they'd be putting emphasis on different mm. words just so it could match the subtitles that would be below the screen this is which fascinating. I wonder maybe no, rap for yeah, you as a well, French person yeah now that you bring this up because I did catch this on um after my 10th rewatch of this film uh the the French characters especially um there was there was like a um it's as if they were kind of translating what they had uh, what they had read in English into French. So, th- so there was like a almost a, a an anglophone aspect to their French, or like a, a, an English rhythm to their French. Whereas if you're you know if you're if you're if, if it came from a purely French screenwriter or screenplay, it would have been it would have had a different rhythm. It would have had a different cadence, like you just said, Ollie. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Um, so I wonder if that's the through line for, for all the, the, the language screenplays for this film, um, because there is like a particularness, there is a peculiarness to, to, to their, um, to their dialogue exchange, especially Shoshana and Marcel. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Very interesting. All right. So you said your scene, Fede, what's your favorite scene? I think I'm going to go, for the uh, <laughs> tavern or first scene, yeah. I think I'm gonna go for yeah. the first scene just because it really stands out and gives yeah. an amazing introduction to the whole yeah. uh, film, which is a masterpiece. So, and I'm a re- I'm a big fan. I always look for you know aesthetic attributes in films, and I just found it very um, very sublime and peculiar. Yeah. So yeah, cinematically wise, I, I really I really liked it. And yeah. photography wise, so I'm gonna go for the first scene. I'm definitely I'm definitely jumping on your on your on your ship there, um, for, for this scene. Um just because it introduces so many layers to it. And I I, I believe it's twenty minutes long as well, so it's even longer than the first scene. And it still has that that um moment of where the tension suddenly just amps up where you're getting the German officer in the mm-hmm. in the in the back saying, yeah. you know, I also found it peculiar to your accent. Um, and then suddenly oh. there's just a shift. And for me, my favorite, and I'm a sucker for Michael Fassbender and for his uh, received pronunciation accent. Oh my God. Take my clothes off. And talk about, um, <laughs> and, and, and talk about, uh, you know, difficulty of performing a second. Yes. La- so, so he actually is fluent in German because his parents or one of his parents is German. And he grew up in Ireland, so his native English accent is Irish. Mm. But he had to deliver those German lines as someone who is English, who did not grow up natively speaking right. German. So yeah. that's, the that's irony. that must be really hard. Yeah, yeah. that's irony. really difficult. The, the actors, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 for me, like the point where I, it's just like the cream, you just like the, the cream de la crème is is um is towards the end just before everything just kicks off um is when he switches and he says well this is it old boy i hope you don't mind if i go out speaking the kings <laughs> and um i just love how i just, just gives up uh, because he, like, <laughs> the, wi- and, 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 and the whiskey and the whiskey and the, the scotch the scotch and the cigarette yeah, yeah. <laughs> the scotch and he's like and i must say damn good stuff sir 
And uh, I just love it. I just love it so much. Yeah, what a scene. What a scene. Oh, uh, Ollie. Oh, no, I just got to say one other, because I'm not going to mention that scene again, but the one of my favorite parts of that scene, which is, again, fantastic, is um, the double meaning of the game of Who Am I that they're yeah. playing. Yeah. Well, I don't know what that game's called. You know, there's various different words for it, like 20 questions. But all the time... They're saying, you know, they're asking each other as part of this game, who am I? Who am I? When they're all trying to cover up their identities. <laughs> and that really? whole scene where they're playing the game with the German um, officer mm. or the captain or whatever his name is, he uh, he um, he basically is demonstrating how good he, he is at figuring out who people are because he so masterfully figures out his own identity as uh, King Kong. But anyway, um, yeah, my favorite scene... Um, I mean, I could have picked any one of the scenes that have already been mentioned, but yeah. for me, it's going to have to be the uh, the introduction of the Bear Jew from the tunnel. But more just that whole sequence, because I find the the music that's playing when the oh, yeah. Bear Jew comes out of the tunnel, that Ennio Morricone music, mm. which I can't believe we haven't mentioned yeah. him yet on this on this episode, because he's like one of the MVPs. All of his oh, music yeah. in this in this film is incredible. Oh yeah, and it's and the the just when the way they beat the german captain to the ground Oof. and like it's 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 violent it's violent and over the top and bloody and horrifying but it's yeah, really but it's again it's good it's more realistic than oh absolutely that. it's quite it's quite t difficult to watch but even just like their exchange right before it when he says mm -hmm. do you get that for killing uh jewish people he's like i got it for bravery and just like that scene of that awful nazi but at the same time, he's, he like welcomes death. He doesn't flinch when it's about to happen. him. Cold, yeah. cold as ice. And, and the way that that sequence is shot, like I did want to mention it before, like in terms of the camera work, like that mm. scene, I don't know what you'd call it when they're outside of those, it's like a, outside of a series of tunnels and archways. And mm. the background just has this beautiful, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like an out of focus fuzzy quality to it. And that's when you oh, can tell someone's like, shooting on like 30 mil... Yeah, they're shooting like thir like thirty millimeter film or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so a great scene. Great. Yeah. All right. So now we are gonna go with favorite performance. Mm. Um, so yeah. Uh, okay. So shall we do favorite performance other than Christoph Waltz? We can. Yes. Or, yeah. 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 yeah totally. <laughs> totally. Totally. Okay, because, yeah, for me, it's Christoph Waltz, but other than him, I also really liked Brad Pitt's performance. I thought, like, Aldo it was Rain. just awesome. That character is just classic, yeah. so quotable, um, and yeah. it's just, yeah, classic Brad Pitt character. I don't know. I really, I think it was made for him as well, like, just as much as uh, Landa was for Christoph Waltz, I think Aldo Rain, Aldo the Apache was for... Um, for brad pitt and yeah, yeah his uh just his speeches like and the way he like i don't know just performs them you know like yeah. ah, it's just yeah. so good his his so his, good. his particular vernacular and accent uh yeah. and the placement of his mouth to make yeah to like, make like that. his throat usage yeah. i don't know if that's like <laughs> no no <laughs> yeah yeah to say or something yeah, yeah. no no um for an yeah, actor that's not speaks. weird at all yeah <laughs> the way he pronounces words yeah it's just yeah. it's it's like ear candy yeah sound good yeah. i agree with uh pretty much everything jebro said yeah. so if i not allowed i don't know why for what reason <laughs> to pick uh, christoph waltz i have to go with brad pitt can i repeat you or there's another rule now <laughs> no yeah um i really um i really like brad pitt which was someone that i'm not a huge fan of to be honest but um, I think 
that he had a really, really great performance acting-wise, but surely um, Raf will know the details better about acting. <laughs> oh, no, please, please, you flatter me. Um, I, uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to, like, put a tie to this. Um, I'm, it's in between Mélanie Laurent and Daniel Brühl, because I thought their chemistry and the kind of unique twist on a romance story that I think Tarantino was kind of offering here, uh, which is the perfect mismatch, you know, a Nazi officer uh, and, a, you know, uh, uh, a Jewish kind of uh, person hiding out as a uh, in plain sight. Um, and it offers such a... Um, a different blend to what we've come to know as this concoction of, of violence, of, of speeches, of, you know, uh, theatrical characterizations. Um, suddenly you're getting these two characters living in the world um, and, you know, one that's kind of smitten and the other that's really refusing and rejecting. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, perfect mismatch. Um, so I'm going to give it to them both because they carry such a different kind of nice story arc um, to this yeah, that kind of um, to this overall narrative. Yeah, that's a it's a great turn as well from the Daniel Brühl character. Yeah, because they've set yeah. him up. He's like the original. He's kind of like the original nice guy, TM. Yeah. You know that thing yeah, about yeah. the nice guy who doesn't who thinks he's gonna get the girl because he's sweet and polite, and mm. then when he gets rejected, he just turns out to be a complete incel psycho. Yeah, and so when, <laughs> he, when he breaks when he breaks that door down and like starts screaming at her because she's refused him, like rejected mm. him all these times, and they have a they have a Romeo and Juliet moment. They both they both die. Um, they both kill oh, each other. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. there is kind of like this weird love that 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 occurs, and I think she has a brief moment as well when she sees his film. Yeah, um, there's like a glance that she gives. Um, but yeah, I I actually totally forgot that she dies yeah. in the film. You know, <laughs> like when I watched it, I was like, oh, shit. It, yeah. I was like, I thought she in slow survived. motion. In slow yeah, motion. I, yeah. I, I was like, shit. I totally forgot that that happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, great scene. Yeah, that that uh, again, another great area. Any yeah. Morricone track. Yes. Um, Boom. Ollie. Uh, the music also, yeah, was was great in this scene. Oh yeah. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, I'll just be really quick. I mean, there's oh god, there's just like you said. I think at the top, Raf or Jabril. This movie's pretty much perfectly cast across the board. Uh, I'm gonna go with August Dio as Dieter Hellstrom. Nice. He played the um the Nazi captain in the tavern. We've mentioned briefly. Yeah, uh, the, I think the Gestapo, Gestapo, Gestapo. Yeah, the guy, yeah. the guy who sits down Ma at the table. Major Hellstorm, Hellstorm. Mm. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. And I'll say because I, I mean, you know, you could again, you could pick anyone from this film, but he gave a great performance, and I also just really like that actor. Uh, mm. He's in a film called he's he was the star of a Terrence Malick film that came out like two oh, years yes. ago called yeah, A like Hidden if, Life, which is beautiful. Yeah. He he's kind of like if Dwight from The Office was a Nazi. <laughs> that's what he would look like. <laughs> uh, ouch! <laughs> oh, love um, it, love it. Yeah, love but it. I loved his performance too. That was like, like uh, Hans Landa Light. Yeah, you know? Hans yeah, Landa Light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Yeah, exactly. Nice. All right. So, um, what aged the best? Um, Explain again what this is to me, please. Yeah, so I guess we're going to have to explain this every episode, every time someone comes on. <laughs> but basically, it's like, well, what age the best and what age the worst? It could be anything from being like something like, yeah, shit, like that shouldn't be in a movie anymore to 
um, something like I picked in the last episode, which was like the fake piano playing on the pianist aged really well. So it could be something arbitrary or it could be something like superficial close to your heart, superficial. Yeah, it could be anything. It's something that stood out that stands out as um, that really stands out. However, many years have passed since the film have come out. Mm. You think, wow, that was pretty cool. It still yeah. really works. It's still yeah. really effective. And especially judged against what's happening today in cinema and the culture yeah. mm-hmm. that has aged really well. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, with worse, it's, you know, cultural appropriation, political correctness, um, which, you know, those are the kind of subject matters that can, you know, go terribly wrong with movies, especially the ones that date from seventies or eighties or, um, or even, you know, before that. Um, but, you know, to, to give you, uh, I, I can I can give you a start here. Uh, for me, I think what's aged the best is the screenplay. I think we're mm. not, in terms of, of what we're seeing in cinema these days, uh, ver- unless, unless it is a Tarantino film, um, the, uh, that level of screenplay, that level of, of, of mastery behind the words, behind the languages, behind... Um, kind of uh staging and choreographing literally action with words there is no like you 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 this screenplay is 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 yeah it's it's, it's purely phenomenal stands mm. stands the test of time 100 percent. yeah so i'm gonna go and say um like set design i thought mm. the settings that each like scene took place was just amazing and there was such like attention to detail like the tavern especially yeah. or the the um uh, the farm in the in the opening scene like in some shots where you can actually see like the the Jews underneath the um the floor the floorboards you can see their eye yeah underneath the floorboards and you could see their eyes moving and then with Hans Landa walking on top ooh that like some of those scenes were pretty crazy, but um, yeah, the attention to detail in some of these places, like even the the one where Churchill and um, Churchill, and they I can't remember the, their, their names. The bastards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that setting, oh, so cool. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, I'm gonna say set design. Yeah. Nice. Um, and I think I would say metaphors. Mm. Um, how how mm. different elements in the objects and elements in the throughout the film always refer to uh, something else, something bigger around mm. running the scene, um, being fire, being milk, uh, mm. being the pipe or mm. the shoe, all this kind of, st- yeah. uh, the shoe, mm. exactly, all these uh, little objects or elements that we always have, a c- they always have a very specific connotations in everyday lives mm. and in the scene, um, own a completely different connotation, like yeah. almost opposite to what we always bias to to think of these things, right? Mm. Uh, so what what's good is actually evil. What's evil is actually good. So the fire we always attribute to something very evil, so the devil, but it's actually the mean that Shoshana uses to revenge, yeah. and she's the good, you know, character. Yeah. In the Purifying. So yeah. yeah. So I think uh, mm-hmm. metaphors in 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 this sense, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Very well. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll just say I think my answer is kind of two-part. I would say the the character of Hans Lander, because I think it is the still the greatest character that Tarantino's ever written. It's, I mean, it's just, wow, what a fascinating creation. And then I think the casting of an unknown actor in that role in the in the form of Christoph Waltz. I think we've all mentioned already how, how fantastic he is in this film, but it just has to be mentioned again that this whole film 
completely hinges upon this character and finding an actor that could not only speak all of these languages, but uh, could deliver all that kind of complexity. And the fact that he was able to find this Austrian television actor from the middle of nowhere, who was in his, you know, in his 40s or 50s, and bring him into this film and, and put him in the center. And that it worked so well that he had such a confident, charismatic performance from Christoph Waltz. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely stood the test of time. Mm. Mm, definitely. Um, so I'm going uh, next one. <laughs> so next one, um, what's aged the worst? And um, I'm finding it difficult for this one to find mm-hmm. something really? that aged badly because I feel like it's an excellent film. I'm, yeah, I'm struggling with this one. I don't know about you guys. Um, I'm trying to think, actually. Um, I don't know. Maybe the first thing that popped in mind was how violence was portrayed, but it's actually very good. Um, it's super realistic, so I'm not gonna say that. I wouldn't know. They did a, They're not gonna. It's not gonna age well, or did it age well? I don't know. I'll pass it to some of you guys if you have one. Yeah. Um, I think maybe. Um, but then again, this could be. This could be uh, very much argued. Um, but the kind of placement we put on the inglorious bastards as the all-american oh, heroes yeah. okay yeah, um yeah, yeah. but there's but there's also layers to that because i think ollie you mentioned are they being the nazis themselves because this violence begets violence um but i like to think that they're i don't know there's that kind of all-american like who are maybe this that's not even a mm. word but like there is stereotypes <laughs> an american yeah, or an American fable that's dying with that. Um, mm, that yeah. I think maybe we don't see that anymore of, of the American hero. And I know that they're not technically heroes. They're almost like vigilantes uh, in, in that sense. Um, or like they're like rogue assassins almost. Yeah. Um, they're like kind of this elite rogue squad um, that's operating like they're in like fringes. like secret service. Yeah, they? like, like in, secret they're in the shadow. They're in the fringes, right? Um I guess uh, the other thing that's prob- that could have aged the worst is the lack of female characters. It's a very much it can become a very macho male dominated kind of mm. movie. Mm. If I had to, you know, put something. I'll, I'll just say quickly because I I kind of already touched on it earlier. But for whatever reason, the scene featuring all the British characters in the British Army headquarters or in the government parliament i don't know it just it felt like an snl sketch to me maybe just because mike myers was there but um... he was he got he got some <laughs> criticism i think for his role from uh, from from various uh, critics uh, saying like yeah. it was kind of a mismatch for for him yeah, yeah. but anyway you know a minor gripe ultimately so yeah yeah totally all right is the ratings bonus question Oh, Who can why, can't, why can't we get through these bingo. five episodes? <laughs> it's not a bingo. <laughs> That's a bingo. Yeah, we can't. We can't do it. 51 episodes later, we still can't quite figure it out. Yeah, yeah, no, we can't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to talk about our favorite Tarantino movie. Because, yeah, I was just wondering what your favorite Tarantino movie was. And I, I, I guess let's just keep it quick. For me, it's a toss-up between this and Django. Because... Mm. I love both of these movies and I love uh, like for me, uh, I might have to give it to Django just because I love Jamie Foxx. Oh, like, snap. I love that, that entire. Yeah, I think it might have to be Django. Yeah. Mm. Oh, God. Um, 
First of all, I'm a big, big fan of Tarantino, so it's uh, difficult to pick one. But I'll have to go either with Jackie Brown or Pulp Fiction because mm. um, that movie, just the first time I watched it, I was like, this is just, I'd never seen anything like this before. And I remember mm. just, I, I think I watched it 15 times. No jokes, like so many times. So probably, but Jackie Brown is also like his gem, mm. I feel. That no many people, I don't know why, really are familiar, are really familiar with this movie, which is insane. We're going to watch it, Jabe. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Pulp Fiction. I have to say Pulp Fiction, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, what's with the hierarchy, you know? Um, but if we had to categorize, um, I mean, these are all brilliant. They all offer so much um, to cinema and they're also, you know, th there's a reason why people always wait. And the fact that he's got numbers to them, you know, this is the sixth century, this is the seventh century. Like it's such a cinematic benchmark, a hallmark to be like, dude, this is a Tarantino film. It's literally its own thing. Um, but I'm kind of with you, Fede, without the Pulp Fiction. I'm, I'm uh, Jackie Brown. I'll split between Jackie, Br Jackie Brown and, um, and Inglourious Bastards. But after rewatching this, I'm just going to go Inglourious Bastards because I just love it so much. I just love it so much, and I have to give a shout out to to Christoph as well. I have to I have to say his 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 politeness is superbly terrifying. His calm demeanor is is shockingly frightening, and his you know the moment he goes from a smile to 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 not a smile is just sheer horror. It's brilliant. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I could be accused of giving a hipster answer here, but I'm gonna have to go with Jackie Brown. Uh, mm. I just it's. It, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, he's made so many good films, but I think that's still his best film after all these years. Mm. Um, weirdly, because maybe in a way it's his least Tarantino-y. Yeah, or maybe just the best synthesis of his Tarantino qualities. But anyway, Inglourious Bosses, though, is definitely up there in the top three for sure. All right, so for the ratings, I'm going to go with a... Nine out of ten. <laughs> uh, you give it like a you give it like a a Colonel Hans kind of beat there. Just, oh, did I? The tension was palpable. Yeah. So yeah, nine out of ten uh, glasses of whiskey. Mm. Glasses of scotch. Scotch, yeah, yeah. scotch. Yeah. yeah. Damn good, sir. Eight glasses of milk. <laughs> nice. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I will give it nine. Ah, fuck it. I'm going to give it 10 scalps out of 10. 10 human scalps Ooh. out of 10. Ooh, oh, fuck. Yeah, the actual, like, quantitative oh. thing in the movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. man, yeah. Oh, I, I, So I watched this with Naringa, and, and she was practically crawling into the sofa during the scenes when they were yeah. scalping. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't handle them like, either. Oh, oh, it, was, it was actually more the carving of the, nut, of the swastika the, yeah, carving the forehead. Of the swastika. That oh. is really... It's funny how you can watch someone's head being, you know, uh, like shot a hundred times, but seeing someone, a knife just Oof. cutting open, a, oh, that was terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it eight out of ten plates of cream topped, cream topped strudels. Sorry, I had a hard time. <laughs> That's a tongue twister right there. <laughs> yeah, cream topped strudels. Try, cream try saying that strudels. ten times in a row. Cream, cream yeah. topped strudels. Cream topped strudel. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so yeah, on that note, I just wanted to say thank you to our guests for being here. And before we close up, I just wanted to 
Let's see if you had anything to plug, anything you wanted to promote, anything you want to let our listeners know. Um, yeah, here's now your chance. Well, man, since you asked, first of all, thanks for having me again. It's always a good time. It's always a good chat. And you guys are, you're getting better, Jay, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're getting better. No, no, um, you're great and a great set of creatives. And it's always um, stimulating talks, which is mm. uh, almost very rare these days to have. Thank you, man. Thank you. And if I want to um, promote something, yeah, well, since we're here, I, I guess I, I just opened a startup, just launch, launched a startup. It's called Spring and Spring Space on social. So, yeah, give it a follow. It'll be, nice. it'll be great. I'd like you to promote that fluorescent orange beanie as well. He's, uh, <laughs> that's my beanie. I thought, I was like, oh, it's cute. They have the same beanie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, so thank you for being on the show. Thank you to Ollie and Raf as usual. You guys are great. You guys are awesome. Love you. And love you too, Fede. Thank you for being on the show. Arrivederci. Uh, Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Um, and yeah, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment. You know what to do. Give us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> on Spotify Podcasts, on everything. And I don't think I swore this this time around, so pat on the back to me. Nice. Um, sorry, Ollie's mom. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, catch you guys next time. Ciao, guys. One second. Before you guys click out, you know, before you go to tinder or whatsapp or instagram or wherever you wanted to go after this podcast uh, just wanted to let you know that we're changing the last movie so just wanted to give you a chance to watch the last movie if you haven't yet and uh, we're changing the movie from saving private ryan to the german movie downfall i'm sure you've seen downfall before and if you haven't seen it you've definitely seen the meme that came from downfall so yeah catch you soon catch you on the next one and just because I feel like it, I'll let the song finish out and you guys can listen to it and relax and have a good time. So ciao.